This is Coffee with Karina, and here's your host, Karina Michelle. So I recently interviewed Don McLean for a magazine article, and we decided to continue that conversation. We went way over the allotted time, and I I literally could have talked to him all day. The stories just kept coming, and each one better than the last. So bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And then good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing, this'll be the day that I die. Don really doesn't need much of an intro. His 1971 hit, American Pie, is a top five song of the century. In 2002, he was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. And in 2004, Don was inaugurated into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. This year, he has a Hollywood star coming up and a world tour. I didn't edit this too much. I just wanted to do enough to leave you, the listener, as a fly on the wall. How are you? I'm wonderful. Good. Sorry to mix up the time there. I'm sure no well, happened. no problem. No problem at all. Ask me, ask me anything your little heart desires. Oh, right. Oh, I love to hear that. Ten minutes I was on IMDb and I was looking through some of your credits on there. And I saw Top of the Pops, which I'm actually from England. And it's a huge deal over there. And I grew up watching that show. And I Of course, of course it is. Yeah. And I remember. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw that episode. Uh, I I'm I'm almost from England myself. I've been going over there so often for so many years. I love England. Are you, uh, oh, of course. Again, thanks. You know, we love doing the interview with you in Authority and Thrive Global. And we really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Could you tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how you got into music? Well, the short answer about how I got into music was into the, well, I got into music because of Elvis Presley and Buddy Holly and Little Richard Mm. and all of the rock acts, you know, in 55, 56. But I got into the music business as a folk artist. And because of my uh, relationship with the greatest folk group that ever was, which was the Weavers. Mm -hmm. And I got to know them by calling them on the phone when I was a teenager because I was so in love with their music that I simply was bursting with questions. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually called up Fred Hellerman, who played the guitar and sang on many of their hit songs. Wow. And I got him on the phone. So you, you got it. Yeah. Hammer. And so I became, I became <laughs> Fred's, I became Fred's phone buddy. He was, <laughs> He was very understanding, and this was a man who was uh, very sophisticated, very intelligent, Mm -hmm. and he he took pity on me and (laughs) and took my calls and answered my little childish questions, and we became became friends. And Mm -hmm. so, little by little, you know, one the next thing I did was I made a tape of my songs when I was a I think a junior or senior in high school at Iona Prep in New Rochelle. Uh-huh. And I used uh, an empty cinder block room because I love the echo in the room. Uh-huh. And I asked the people there if I could come in on the weekend. And they said, oh, yeah, well, the custodian will let you in. <laughs> 
So I took my tape recorder and my guitar and banjo and a friend of mine. And uh, we went into the classroom and I set the machine up and I made this tape. And then uh, it's a long story and I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but the tape ended up in the hands of the manager of the Weavers, wow. a man named Harold Leventhal. And I didn't know this was going on. And then one day after I had quit school and I was out trying to be uh, in the music business, I got a call from my mother got the call. Mm -hmm. from the Leventhal office and they said they wanted me to come into New York wow. that they want they wanted to manage me how exciting what a great story it is a great wow. story <laughs> yeah that's incredible and, and so suddenly I'm being you know looked at as a you know important artist when all I was doing was you know what I and I've never done anything but what I felt like doing mm -hmm. you know and that's what yeah. I was doing then so they worked with me for about a year and I made all sorts of friends in the music business and then the nightclubs in New York, the Gaslight, the Bitter End, especially the Bitter End, mm -hmm. and uh, a place called the Music Inn in Lenox, Massachusetts, which is a famous place. And they had a club on the grounds called the Potting Shed. And so even when I went back to college, I was still do jobs all over because I had, you know, connections and they'd call me, oh, some college wants a kid who can play guitar and banjo to sing. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a thousand dollars. Right, which is a lot then, right? That was a lot of. Can you imagine? No, I'm not kidding. Amazing. So, yeah, oh boy, for sure. So yeah, so this wow. is what it was, and so kind of that's how I got into it. You know, into the business. Wow, that's great. Well, you know, it's funny. I've I've learned that if you tell anyone you're interviewing Don McLean, the first thing they will say is. Well, you got to ask him, what does it mean to bring the Chevy to the levee? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't ask him. This. <laughs> you must have heard this question. I mean, a thousand times, probably more. Well, it's the way it is. Yeah. You know, the song is so dominant and people are still love it. And it still entertains people in a variety of ways. Yeah. That I don't mind the fact that, you know, folks will ask me questions I've been asked a thousand times before <laughs> because they don't really realize it. You see? Right. That's true. So I just I, I'm just happy they want to ask me anything. Yeah. So I, I answer their questions. Yeah, it's a big one. And when you when you think back to when you were writing American Pie, did you have any inkling or idea it was going to be such a hit and, you know, so influential? No. No one can imagine anything like that. No. Well, actually, people now, young people now are so arrogant and they're so self-important mm -hmm. that they would probably say, oh, yes, I knew I would be a star. <laughs> You're onto something uh, big. But that's not the way I was brought up and that was yeah. not the kind of person that I was at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, the truth is you've had, you've had so many hits. I mean, Castles in the Air, Since I Don't Have You, and then I Love You So was, was the theme song, right, for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding. And I Love You So is uh, a sleeper. You know, it's mm -hmm. always around there. There's an interesting story now. Um, if you, you probably see it come up on your Google. It's about Dolly Parton mm -hmm. uh, and Elvis Presley. Yes, I've heard. I've heard and some that, things about that. And, and Dolly was asked by Elvis's people whether, you know, he wanted to sing her song. I guess it was I Will Always Love You. Right, right. And but she got to give Elvis the publishing, uh -huh. and she said no. Uh huh. So Elvis didn't record the song. Right. 
Now, Smart. this has been a story that's been out there. Well, I had the same thing happen to me. Did you really? Oh yes. Elvis's people called me uh -huh. and said, we want the publishing to end I Love You So because Elvis wants uh -huh. to record it. And I said, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. But Elvis recorded it anyway. Really? And uh, it's on about 17 different albums, including... What? Elvis in concert and it's the last song Elvis ever sang while he was alive on a recording so what must have happened to Elvis liked and I love you so more than I will always love you he recorded mine and didn't record hers but well, it's, yeah. yeah I've been hearing that story this week it's it's a big deal it's yeah I know the thing really has <laughs> ridiculous it has like well, I got a bigger story than that. You know? Yeah, that's crazy. And I know that you were you were really smart with that. But you own the publishing rights to most of your music, right? Or all of your music. Well, I wouldn't say I'm smart. I would say that I am instinctive about certain things. Yeah. And I put, I put my blood, my warm blood into writing those songs. And I wasn't going to give them to anybody. Mm -hmm. And it cost me a lot because... That's why, you know, 20 record companies or however many that were turned me down because I wouldn't let them have the publishing. They might have right. heard And I Love You So and said, well, that's a beautiful song and Don sings it very well, but it's never going to be a hit, but it could be a hit for somebody else. So, mm. you know, either we get the publishing on these songs like Castles in the Air and whatever that were on the first album I made or we're not putting the record out. Right. So I would say no and I would cut my own throat, you know, mm. but I didn't care. So yeah. finally, you know, I met somebody who would do it the way I wanted to do it. You know, I'm sure you've been reading about my ex-wife and the things she's saying about how controlling I am. Oh, no, I didn't um, see that. Well, I am. I like, <laughs> to be in, I like to be in control. I do too. That's always a I good love, thing, right? I, I love being in control. I got <laughs> to tell you, I'm, I'm happier than anything when I'm in control. And I know the answers. See, that's the thing. I oh, know what good. to do. I know what I want. So yeah. if somebody else knows the answers and I don't, I say, okay, you be in control. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> you take you know. the lead. Wow. <laughs> That's funny. So Madonna covered American Pie. I'm a yeah. big Madonna fan. Is it ever, this is kind of a weird question, but is it ever weird hearing someone else singing your song and being like, oh my God, you know, why did they do it like that? Or, you know. No, I never, ever do that. Mm -hmm. I, a, a piece of music is like a it's out there and it's got to it's got to have a history of its own and a song has a history if a song is a an important song it has a history of its own and it's a fascinating thing to see where these songs end up i could right. tell you i could tell you so stories about american pie you wouldn't even believe back in 2011 or whenever it was when they had the 911 uh, attack on the world trade center mm -hmm. american pie was banned from the airwaves. Really? Yes, yeah. along with a lot of others. Then you saw the real, the steel hand inside the velvet glove of democracy in America. Because mm -hmm. we suddenly became a, a dictatorship. Oh, get those off, ban right. that, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, it, it, it came back, you know, mm -hmm. American Pie was, American Pie was used by the army to torture people. Wow. They would play it over and over and deprive people of sleep and have them hear this thing. Really? I have no control over this. They use a lot of other songs too, you know, like mm -hmm. that's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. I like it, you know. <laughs>
But uh, I mean, this is a long story. Wow. I, yeah, it. there's just so much. So when, when you wrote American Pie, it was obviously a pivotal time in American history. And there was the assassination of JFK and, you know, the 60s revolution. How has the last couple of years and kind of what's going on in America now affected for instance? Oh, nothing's, nothing's going on in America mm-hmm. now. We are in the middle of a pandemic, which is taking control of everything in America. We are going to, unless we can turn this around, we are going to be in something, and I'm a finance major. I have a degree in finance from college. I love this stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I read about it. I'm fascinated with it. Unless we can turn this around very fast, in my opinion, we're going to be in a situation that makes the Great Depression look like a walk in the park because of several reasons. Number one, it will be a world situation. Number two, everyone in the 1930s was healthy. Everyone in the 30s was healthy. What we will have here is a combination health and finance banking which we've never seen before yeah it's a scary time for sure so cross your fingers Mm. and hope that all these people you know that we start to turn this baby around but i'm thinking that you know we will and Mm. it'll be a little like aids you know we'll get we'll get a, a cocktail of things that we can immediately take to make it into a one or two day thing and right. you know they'll understand the outcome and we'll move on i mean it's not it's not a, a yeah. death sentence but it could definitely what you have is when you have i'm sorry to keep droning on like this but w- when you have the supply lines and banking supply lines disrupted mm-hmm. you know you can you can pull down banking very easily because all this stuff is based on pensions and payments and mortgages and you have to have people working to do that. So it's a massive motor. It's a massive engine with many levers. Mm-hmm. And all the levers have been pulled down uh, in the wrong direction. And we've spent $6 trillion in the last 11 months. That's three times the size of the U- United States debt that we were all worried about. Now it's right, went from right. $2 trillion to $6 trillion, mm-hmm. trying to buy some time to keep this economy alive until a vaccine comes along. And that's really all I have to say. That's where we're at. Shut everything down. Okay, let's see. When you think about the last 50 years and your life, I mean, there's so many accomplishments. What are the moments and the memories that really like stand out to you? In my life? Yeah. Having two children was something I never thought I would be able to do because I am a lonely guy. I really don't get along with people all that well. And I'm married. (laughs) managed to stay married for 30 years <laughs> and I felt I was a good husband and a good father and I loved that and enjoyed that becoming uh, there's a, a big mural and you should look this up Don McLean mural in New Rochelle New York mm-hmm. and it's the side of a whole building of me and uh, Alicia Keys who is far mm-hmm. more successful than I am and anyway, I'm the only person of those two that's from Nourishell. And it's amazing when I, I saw that and I was there. 
Wow. Uh, what, what my mother and father would think. Yeah. You know, what my father be. would think, you yeah. know, because my father really told me, I don't want you to be a bum in show business. That was oh. the last thing. <laughs> it's like that was the last thing he ever. <laughs> he died shortly after that, but that was oh. his message. Don't be a bum in show business. Well, I've tried not to be a bum. I am in show business. But, uh, <laughs> well, that was inevitable, I think. I mean, you're very talented. But I've read somewhere else you actually had a premonition. Is that true? Before your father passed away? Yes. I, I, I started having these weird experiences when I was younger. I remember seeing, I, was at, I, I belonged to a beach club when I was 14. Mm-hmm. I looked at a man an old man walking by me and I thought I could see him mm-hmm. dead on the beach. Wow. And I went back later and there he was. There he was. That's crazy. And I've never told a soul about that except you. <laughs> really? No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Because my father came later. Oh really? Oh so that was much earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Then then I saw him and I said, you know, I told my Mother, I told my grandmother, I said, I think dad's going to die. I mean, what a thing to say, too, when you're so young. I mean, he looks, I could see he was, and, you know, he would come home and lay across the bed at night, the poor little guy. He was worked, they worked him to death, you know, this, the system and all that. He he was really a guy who would love to have been a farmer Uh, or mm -hmm. a guy who had a, ran a beautiful uh, place where they sold, you know, bulbs and, and flowers and that was my father and he lived for his flowers and he had this little plot of land and he would do his flowers and the rest of the time he'd go in and have all this stuff where he was a he was a the mcleans have a strange ability of being office managers Mm. that that's where the the controlling part comes (laughs) from Uh, my cousin my uncle malcolm was a district manager my father was a district manager they know how to get things to run properly mm-hmm. and how you make things you know and basically i took a very slim portfolio as a hit maker and made myself very wealthy yeah but control was required oh yeah because there's so many mistakes you can make. You know, there was, uh, thank you for listening. I know I'm Yeah, probably no, talking. I'm fascinated. So as long as you don't but, mind talking. But I want, I want to tell you one thing. One of the best lawyers I ever had, the guy that, that got me free of my ex-manager and actually got uh-huh. my songs for me, made me a man named Alan Shulman. And this is something for women particularly uh-huh. to think about when they want to take the roles of men in the world. And this is a, it's not a sexist remark, but it's something he said to me. He said, I tell him, I teach the kids in law school. I said to them, I said, you know, you, you young law students out there, if you get a 98, you get an A plus. If you get a 98 in life, when you're out practicing law, you get a malpractice suit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is what men are up against. Men have to be 100%. It's something to think about. Yeah. So when I go on the stage, I can't forget the words and I can't <laughs> bluff through things. I've got to deliver a perfect, inspired performance every single night. Right. 
that's got to take some energy. And I thought, I mean, you can't make a mistake. I mean, people, I guess you can make a mistake, but you have to be able to, you know, carry it off. And well, sure. that's a good remark because yeah. you know you're going to make mistakes. Exactly. You can't be tight. You can't be tight ass. Exactly. You yeah. know, you have to be smooth and loose and ready mm-hmm. to do anything. Yes, that's right. But that's what Pete said probably 60 years ago when I used to write him in junior high school. He said, master the idiom, idiomatic mastery is what you're seeking. Mm. Idiomatic mastery, whatever idiom that you choose, nothing can throw you. I've had people fall out of balconies. I've had fistfights break out. I've had people come on stage and attack me. I've had uh, stuff (laughs) thrown at me. I've had so many things you can't imagine. But I I have idiomatic mastery. That's what I've spent my life learning how to do. And that was a very good question. I'm, uh, I'm really fascinated by songwriting too and explaining that process. Where do you think the songs come from? Do they, do you hear them? Well, no, I think in my case, I mean, you know, I think, you know, I think computers are going to write songs that will make a lot of these people out there now very mm. happy because the people out there now, the population out there now are very stupid. They're very ignorant. They don't know anything about history. So a computer can easily filter in a bunch of shit and give them mm. something that's like, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. But, you know, a really great song to uh, coming to a songwriter, a song like, oh... But beautiful. Do you know that song? It's a jazz song. Love is funny, or it's sad, Mm. or it's sad, or it's mad. It's a good thing, or it's bad, but beautiful. Great song. Yeah, yeah. A song like White Christmas, a song like Respect. Yes. You've got to have those songs. They come in on your radio, Mm -hmm. they come from another place. Yeah. Say, I, I get my songs from my radio. When my radio is on and and, it, and I'm ready to hear what's <laughs> yeah. coming in, and I've got a whole new album of new songs now. I know. And yeah. songs have been coming on. No, not still playing favorites, but a new oh. album. Oh, a new album. That. Okay. No, uh, yeah, yeah, a new one. The biggest differences from making a record 50 years ago to making one today? Well, that's really easy to answer because... If you go back to the 1930s when Bessie Smith was recording, she would sing directly onto a disc. There was her and her guitar player and, you know, maybe one other instrument and they sang live and it went right on that disc and it went out as a record. And it took like 50 more years, 60 more years for people to start isolating instruments and having producers remix the performance to make it you know a little bit better and now the artist has almost nothing to do with the record right all these other people are creating somebody writes the song the guy sings the lyric everybody's phoning everything in nobody's (laughs) working off of anybody yeah. When I made records, everybody was in the studio and you had 10 guys with personal problems who were all, you know, performing at that moment. So you never knew, you know, what was going to happen. Somebody burst out crying, somebody uh-huh. would get pissed off at you, mm-hmm. you know, but it was a 
real people making this thing. And, and I, I really think that that was the apex of the record, recording the way we think of it. I don't think people really realize what's happened since that really people are hardly involved. That's very true. So maybe the music has died. Mm. You know, I, I never thought I would be uh, prophetic, but as I look around now, I said, this isn't music to me. I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> yeah. It's like cheese and spam is not me. You know? Right, right. What advice would you give to musicians just starting out in the music industry today? Well, I always tell them there's one, only one piece of advice. Get a good lawyer mm-hmm. who is a, what's it called a transactional lawyer right. who can speak your language. Maybe it's high school, maybe it's junior college, whatever. Let him tell you what it is you're signing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let him let him tell you what it is in simple language. Mm-hmm. So that you, you know you're not surprised later on. Right. Oh, the manager owns thirty percent of this, or the right. somebody owns fifty percent of this. I didn't. I didn't know. You know, I saw James Brown on television, and he said, "I'm not educated, and I don't understand certain things." And by that time, everybody was sampling James Brown, you know. And I thought, and James Brown loved American Pie. Back Did he? And I said, man, if I could have had, had an hour with James, I could have helped him. I have to take this call now, okay? I really love yeah, talking yeah, yeah. to you. Thank you. No, thank you so much. You're welcome. Hi, and thanks so much for listening to this episode of Coffee with Karina. I loved chatting with Don. He is so much fun. For more info on tour dates, you can go to his website, donmcclain.com. And if you like what you're hearing, check out some of our other episodes while you're here. And tell your friends. All right, have a great week. And I love you so The people ask me how How I've lived till now I tell them I don't know I guess they understand How lonely life has been But life began again